And thanks to all of you for being here this morning in the lovely, cool, air-conditioned, sort of, uh, Barnstormers Theater. It's great to be back home. Um, that's cool. You're good. Yeah, we're good. Um, yeah, it is great to be home. It was great to be in Kenya. We had a wonderful experience there. Um, but it's also nice to be back uh, with, with our church family. So thank you for, for welcoming us back home as... Um, as is printed in your bulletin, next Sunday we're going to do our official Kenya talk back. So that's an opportunity to uh, hear from our team, um, minus our intern Sean Howard, who's back at school. But hi, how are you? Um, but the rest of us will be here, and so the format will be a little bit different next Sunday. Um, but this is going to be a really exciting opportunity for to us to, to worship together and to hear more about uh, this Kenya team. I know some of you are reading the blog and and looking at pictures on Facebook. Um, and so it's just, you're going to fill in the gaps next Sunday, and you'll learn more about um, the mission trip that you supported. So please, uh, please be here for that and invite everybody in your life. Um, as we were preparing for um, the Kenya trip, <laughs> there was a lot that goes into that. Uh, we had several meetings leading up to that. We met with, uh, with uh, our friends at Bethlehem Church. This was a us two churches went together. And so we go through a lot of things. We go through the details, you know, stuff like what to pack, uh, what to prepare for, um, just the logistical stuff. But we also talk a lot about the spiritual stuff, which is really more important when it comes down to it. And beyond just looking at what it means to be a missionary in Kenya for two weeks, uh, we spend some of our time in those meetings just talking about what it means to be a Christian in general, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's so many people in our lives, and we say to them, hey, we're doing this thing in Kenya. They, they just per, are perplexed by that. Why would you go and do that? Aren't there other things you can do? And, and so we do face some pushback as a team and some, some questions and some wondering. But when we really take a look at what Jesus calls his followers to do, we realize that doing this thing in Kenya isn't unusual at all. It's exactly the kind of thing that we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. There are those who go, and there are those who send, but we're supposed to have a global presence. And so we take a look at those things, and we read through some scripture, and we read through some books that are really challenging, just examining this question, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, for those of you who have been a part of Hope Community Church for the past several weeks, months, years, you know that that's something that we often talk about here. In fact, I think that's one of our things here at Hope. We kind of deconstruct the American idea, the modern idea of Christianity. We take it apart, and we go back to the Bible, and we see, well, what did Jesus say about being one of his followers? So that's what we do. And in one of our team meetings as we were preparing for our trip to Kenya, our leader, Pastor Tom from Bethlehem Church, he read from uh, Matthew chapter 25, the passage that Lori read for us this morning. And he read these words of Jesus. And, and what I'd like to do right now is I'm going to give you a, some more of that passage. Now, this is Jesus, and he's talking about what it's going to be like when he returns. And really, you've got like the... As tough as that was for Lori to read and as emotional as that was, you've got kind of the nice part there in your bulletin, <laughs> the positive part, the uplifting part. But I want to read a little bit more of that passage for you. I'm going to start in uh, Matthew 25, verse 31. And this is, again, this is a passage that we heard at one of our Kenya meetings. It says, when the Son of Man, that's Jesus, when the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I, this is Jesus speaking, for I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, they're confused by this, then the righteous will will answer him, Lord, when? (laughs) When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Then the king, Jesus, will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer. They're equally perplexed by this. They will also answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? Lord, if we saw you in trouble, we would have helped you. I mean, you're Jesus. We would have helped you if we saw you. When did we see this? So they push back. Verse 45, and he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. I'm going to go ahead and read this last verse here. Bear with me. Here it goes. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So we're sitting there at our Kenya meeting, and Pastor Tom reads that entire passage of Scripture, and I was feeling very, what's that Christian word? Convicted? Feeling very convicted by this. And I was feeling this sense of, man, there's, there's just more that I could be doing. There's more that I should be doing. You know, when I look at that list, I I listen to that list, I read that list of things that that Jesus talks about, people who need clothes, people who need water, people who need food, people who are sick and need to be visited, people who are in prison and need to be visited. I look at that list and I I look at my own life and I say, "Am, am I doing enough? Isn't there more I can be giving? Isn't there more I should be doing? I mean, I don't want to have to come face to face with Jesus and I don't want him to put me on his left. I don't want him to say to me, listen, I was in need and you didn't help me. I was hungry, you gave me nothing. I was thirsty, you looked the other way. I don't want to hear those words from Jesus, and I definitely don't want to hear him say, depart from me. Now, those of us in this room who who call ourselves Christians or followers of Jesus or, or a disciple, whatever you want to call yourself, I mean, we don't want to hear those words from Jesus, do we? We don't want to hear him say, I needed help, and you weren't there. And so I'm listening to this passage, and I'm reading this passage, and I'm trying, like, I don't know, do you ever go through this, those of you who are Christians, do you ever go through that wrestling type thing, where it's like you're feeling challenged and you don't want to? And my immediate response is like, you know, I have this internal conversation, kind of, I don't know if I'm talking to myself, or I'm talking to God, I just feel like, aren't I doing enough, you know? If I gave Jesus my resume, wouldn't he say, oh yeah, that's pretty good, you know? Aren't I doing enough? And there's this tension of what it means. This is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It feels like, you know, sometimes you come across a a passage of Scripture or you're listening to some kind of sermon or you're reading a book and you just get overwhelmed and you feel like there's more I could be doing. Has this happened to you? 
That feeling of conviction, that feeling of being challenged, that feeling of like, man, it's just I'm not given enough. And that's part of what it is to follow Jesus. And so we're talking through this passage and we're reading this book called Radical by David Platt. Ugh, really, really tough. And we're thinking about all the things that the original followers of Jesus did, all the ways that they sacrificed. And again, we're looking at our own lives thinking, wow, are we giving enough? Are we doing enough? It can kind of become a trap and you can get to a place where you just feel like no matter how hard you try, it's never enough. That's a tough feeling to live with. It's never enough. Here's the thing. You know, here's what you could all do as, as, you know, the people of the church. You could sit down together and say, you know, we're going to have a meeting without our pastor. You could come up with a list of, I don't know, 20 things for me to be doing. You could come up to me and say, Josh, you know, we've talked about it as a church, and we feel like you as a Christian, you as a pastor, you as a leader, we want you to be doing more. So here's a list of 20 more things that you need to be doing. And I would look at that list, and, and they'd all be right. You'd be right. You'd have a great list of things, all things I should be doing. And so I'd start working my way through that list, okay? I want to make my congregation satisfied. I want to be doing these things for Jesus. And they've given me this list of stuff that I should be doing, and I'm going to do this stuff. And so I'll go through the list and check off the boxes as I go. Okay, spend more time with the sick. I'm doing that. Uh, spend more time doing prison ministry. Okay, I'm doing that. And I'm working my way through the list. But by the time I would get to number 19, you know what? You'd have a list of 20 more things for me. <laughs> because it's never enough. And the same is true. You know, I could come up with a list for you. I could say, okay, guys, I'm going to give you all cards today. Here's a list of five things I want you to be doing. You do these five things. If you really want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to do these five things. And by the time you get to number four, I'd have the next five ready for you. Oh, that's tough. Pastor Tom, what did he say during one of the Kenyan meetings? He said something like, the Pharisees, they're the ones that have arrived. <laughs> but real followers of Jesus, for us, we never arrive. For us, we live in this mess. We live in this, 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 this state of being uncomplete, of never quite getting to the end of the list. But I want to give you, I don't just want to share this burden with you, I want to give you some encouragement. There is a strange kind of peace you can find in acknowledging and understanding that it's never going to be enough. There's a peace you can find in that. The problem is we have to reorient our way of thinking, or the solution is we need to reorient our way of thinking, and we need to stop trying to strive for enough. Don't make that the goal, because if your goal is to complete that list, if your goal is to, is to do it just enough for Jesus, you're never going to reach it, so don't make that, don't make that your goal. Don't make finishing the list your goal. Don't make that sense of I need to be complete. I need to, be, I need to reach this point. Don't make that your goal because you're never going to reach it. Instead, instead what we need to do, you know, because there are two things we could do. We could say, well, I'm good enough where I am. And we could play that comparison game, right, as individuals and as a church. We could say, well, I'm doing more than that, Christian. So that's good. Isn't that good enough? Isn't that good enough, Jesus? I'm doing, and we as a church, we're doing more than the other churches in Ridley Park. I mean, we're going to Kenya and we're serving here. Isn't that enough, Jesus? Again, we just have to change our way of thinking. That's not the question we should be asking Jesus. We shouldn't be asking him, isn't this enough? We should be asking him, all right, what's next? <laughs> what's next for us as individuals? What's next for us as a church? And so this is a word of encouragement. I don't know if you've ever felt this kind of tension. I don't know if you've ever felt challenged like this. I don't know if you've ever felt convicted. But if you have, 
Here's a suggestion. Instead of being overwhelmed by all the things that you could be doing, all the things you could be doing for Jesus, just focus on the one thing that God has laid before you. Maybe that one thing that God has laid in your path is going on a missions trip. Maybe it is sacrificing and giving to the poor. Maybe it is, I don't know. But do that next thing. Instead of getting overwhelmed by all the things you could be doing, seek the Lord's will and say, what's the one thing I should be doing? And the way that I see this working out is it's like there's a path in life, and if you're asking God, what should I be doing? He will lay that thing right in your path, whatever that thing is. You know, several years ago before we, we started Hope Church and we were in the planning phases, I became convicted, I became convinced that one of the things we needed before the church started was we needed a global focus somewhere. We needed some kind of place on the map where we could point to and say, okay, we're going to work here, we're going to help here. And so as I became convinced of that, I prayed about it a little bit, and before I could even fully vocalize the question, God, where do you want us to go? The answer was presented, Kenya. God just laid it in front of us. And it's really far away, and it's a long plane trip. And, and so there was a little bit of a temptation. There was like, well, isn't there somewhere else we could go? You know, maybe I wanted to veer off to the left or to the right and say, okay, I see you've put this Kenya thing in our path, but, but how about like, I don't know, Mexico? <laughs> I mean, they need help there, right? But that's not the thing that God laid before us. And so for you as individuals, when you're thinking about, well, what's next for me? What do I need to be doing? What does God want from me? Just take a look around at your own life. Look at the issue that God has put before you. Don't focus on all the millions and billions of things that you could be doing to serve Jesus. Just focus. What is the thing that God's laid before you? Maybe it is a mission trip or maybe it is a conversation. Maybe it's a conversation with a, with a parent or, or one of your children, a son or a daughter or a coworker or a neighbor or a loved one or a close friend. Maybe what God has laid before you in your life isn't a trip to Kenya, isn't a trip to Mexico. Maybe what God has put before you in your path of life is a conversation. You know that conversation you've been avoiding? You know that person in your life and you care about them and you're concerned about them and you see how they're living and you know that it's not right and you see that they're going to be in trouble but you just don't want to bring it up because it's awkward. And, and so if that's, if that's the kind of thing that's in your life, if that's the kind of thing that God has laid before you, do that thing. Do that thing. Now some people have said, well, I think it's kind of easier to spend two weeks in Kenya and minister to people that you're not going to see again for another 50 weeks. I think that's easier than to have a real heart-to-heart -heart conversation with a loved one. Is it easier? I don't know. Again, let's stop asking that question about what's easier. So here's the challenge for you this morning. Whatever that thing is that God has laid in your life, whatever that issue is, whatever that, that, that calling is, whatever that opportunity is, instead of veering off to the left or to the right, just do that thing because there is that temptation. Maybe God is actually calling you to do that work of evangelism. You know that word? of sharing the gospel message with someone in your life and you know who that person is and you know what the need is and you see it right there, this is what God has laid in your path. And you could say, well, instead of doing that, I'm just going to go to Loaves and Fishes Thursday night. <laughs> that's a good thing to do, right? <laughs> but that's not the thing. And maybe you could say, you know, instead of having this tough conversation with a loved one, I'm going to go to Kenya for two weeks. Okay, well, great. We'd be happy to have you there. But is that the thing that God has put in your path? I don't know. <laughs>
And so here's the thing. We have to deal with this both as individuals and as a collective. And so where I am personally challenged right now is, is on those two levels. I'm thinking, what do I need to do? What's the next thing that God has laid before me? Is it another service project? Is it a fundraiser for somebody in need? Is it one person that I'm to minister to? What's that next thing, God? But I'm also thinking about our church. What's next for us as a church? We're not done. We're not going to say, okay, we serve locally, we serve in Kenya, and that's it, the end. No, 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 no. What's the next thing that God has laid before us? And I'm going to invite you to ask God that question along with me. What is that next thing? I mean, you look at our own community and the different needs that there are. Yes, there is hunger. Yes, there is poverty. But there's other stuff going on. There's depression. There's parents who, who need some support and some guidance in their parenting. There's, you know, a drug epidemic going on. I think I can use that word epidemic. I mean, there's heroin right here in the suburbs. There's kids overdosing. There's things that we could be doing. What's that next thing that God has put on the path of Hope Community Church. What do we need to be doing next? Maybe it's, it's working with loaves and fishes in a more, more intent way. Maybe it's working harder with City Team in Chester and, and, and firming up that connection there and pouring more of our resources into that, that ministry. I don't know what it is, but I'm inviting you to ask the question along with me. If you're brave enough to ask God, what's the next thing you have for me as an individual and what do you have next for our church? Because we're not finished this. And so I'm going to say a prayer for you right now, if you don't mind. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I'd ask you to please speak to each one of us. Give us clarity. We believe that as your followers, Lord, you have commanded us to take care of other people, to love other people, to treat other people the way that we want to be treated. And so, Lord, show each one of us what is that issue? What is that need? What is that, that one situation that's in our path right now? Father God, grant us clarity. Help us understand the issue and then give us the courage and your Holy Spirit and your strength so that we will address that one issue, address that one thing. Father God, I pray for us as a church that you would also provide us with that same kind of clarity. Speak to us, Lord. Show us, Lord. What would you have us do next? What is that next step? What is that next need that we need to address as your people? Father God, we acknowledge that in and of our own strength, we are not capable to tackle the big, the big things of this world, but through you, all things are possible. So, Father God, fill us anew with your Holy Spirit. Make us capable of doing the work that you have called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.